You're listening to an Englishman in the Balkans. Welcome to an Englishman in the Balkans, the podcast that takes you on a captivating journey into the heart of Bosnia and Herzegovina and the wider Western Balkans. Each episode, we delve into the rich history, vibrant culture, and hidden gems of this beautiful country. Through engaging conversations and personal anecdotes, we aim to bridge the gap between the Balkans and the rest of the world. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired, entertained, and connected. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you would like to support us and the production of future episodes, then please consider maybe giving us a tip or becoming a member of our podcast family. The link to do that is in the show notes for this podcast. Thanks again for listening. We really do appreciate it. This is the Balkan Adventures podcast. Everyday life and experiences in the Western Balkans. This podcast relies entirely on supporters who help to keep us sponsor and advert free through our community at patreon.com. You can pledge as little as $1 a month with early access to content and free giveaways. You will find a banner to our Patreon community on our website at balkanadventures.co. Thanks for helping us develop the podcast. Hi, and welcome to another edition of the Balkan Adventures podcast with me, David Bailey, a podcast about the more positive sides of Bosnia and Herzegovina and the wider Western Balkan region. On this episode, well, it's a three-way collab. Why three ways? Last week, my very good friend Christoph Baumgarten, who produces the Balkan Stories blog, sent me an interview that he's done recently in Vienna with a Londoner who lives in Sarajevo, which is about, I suppose, a five-hour drive away from me. Christoph caught up with Nick Semwo Gerera. I think I've said that right, but otherwise known across the music world as Smooth Deep. Nick has well and truly fallen in love with Bosnia-Herzegovina and the region generally. In this chat with Christoph, we're going to find out why he likes the Balkan so much, some of the cultural challenges he's found, what it's like being a black person in Bosnia-Herzegovina, and how not to ask a Balkan girl out for a date. So all that and a little bit more in the next 45 or so minutes here on this week's episode of the podcast. This is the Balkan Adventures podcast. Now Nick, um, how long have you been living on the Balkans for? Like on and off since 2010. So going on like eight years now. So, what was the thing that most drew you, or that fascinated you? Because basically, you've, you've been, been living there on and off, but but always for for longer stretches of time. The first thing that I initially I was around university time, my final year of university, my first time I went over, and it was the thing that initially like drew me in was the way that despite all the you know negativity of like the, the conflicts that happened recently in the 90s and people were getting on with their lives and not just getting on with their lives but finding ways to enjoy their lives and that was kind of uh, inspirational for me particularly coming from London at the time it was around the time when everyone was talking about the global crisis economic crisis and I'm like well economic crisis I'm coming to a place that has been like it's irrelevant this crisis but people are still there was a certain spirit of of the Balkans that just drew me in you've been living there you've also been been working there whenever you were legally allowed so so what have you been doing to to you know 
stay afloat financially to 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 be able to 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 make ends meet uh, on the Balkans. How how does it work for you? Like in 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 the last like two years, I've been teaching, and so but previously before that, I was when I first actually arrived in Bosnia, I was doing um video production with this guy from Bihach. Like we we had met in uh, Zagreb the year before. And then he came up with this idea to um, him and a couple of other guys from Bihaj to start this video production company in Sarajevo. So I went over, the production company didn't even get off the ground, but we just decided to independently go around doing videos for people. So that's basically what I did for a while. One thing you, you told me, and, and, and you regularly have to do, is you have to leave all of these countries after a certain period of time. How does that make you feel? I mean, you're on a move constantly, obviously. Yeah, yeah. like uh, initially it was just exciting because it's like you're seeing something new all the time, and I still I still enjoy it. I can't say that I don't enjoy it, but because I've been doing it for so long, there are moments where it is a little bit annoying because you're always like can throw you off a little bit in terms of like you want to organize something. Like for example. Uh, most recently I wanted to do a music video with somebody and you know how sometimes things are in the Balkans, things take time to organize, people are a little bit laid back so by the time we got everything together to do this music video shoot I checked the date and I was like oh damn I gotta, I gotta leave now so it, it can be a little bit annoying but initially I, I had no issues with it mm, How often do you change places in, in, in a year? Uh... So between mm, four, like two, two, two of, yeah, between like two to four, depends. Like, for example, because essentially, um, legally, I guess I should be like three months in each place. But um, for years in, in Bosnia, the, the border has been pretty loose. So I've always, I've always managed to kind of extend it that three-month period to six months. So if, but now it's getting a little bit, you know. So where, where I was doing it for the six months, I would basically be in Sarajevo for, for like six months and then maybe back to London or Poland or somewhere else. So, but now, because I'm dividing up to the three months, it's about like four, three or four different places. And, and this is a visa issue primarily? Yeah, it's primarily a visa issue, yeah, absolutely. And the three months mean that you get tourist visa, you're allowed to stay there for three months, and then you have to leave again. Yeah, yeah. But like, there's always been like uh, this kind of loophole in um, in, in Bosnia, and I guess the, the former Yugoslavian states in general, where they know that it takes a long time to get your paperwork done. So if you have started a job. They, they, they recognize it takes a long time to get your paperwork done. So if you still haven't got it done within the three months, they usually just let you leave for a day even and then just come back. So, like, I guess technically at the border, they should be asking you why are you coming back, but they never do. So in, because of that, that's how people usually extend their stay. Isn't it irritating in, in, in the sense that, uh, you know, we, we have about 1% of the population leaving Bosnia and, and Serbia each year, and they just do not allow any people to to immigrate into those countries. Yeah, that's the thing that is the most illogical part about it. Because with the amount of people leaving, it would seem logical that you would you would 
be more willing to accept people coming in, especially people coming like coming in and bringing something with like, some skill. I'm coming, I'm teaching. Even even younger people who are there's a lot of young people coming and they're working online, but they're still they're spending their money in the country, so they're they're still a benefit. So I know it's quite an illogical way that that they've they've made it so difficult for people to immigrate into the country. Do you have any idea or or suspicion of why that may be the case? Um, I've I've not not really not really. It's kind of one of these things that that boggles my brain. Like when you ask when you ask people, they're just oh it's just, it's just Bosnia. That's just the way it is. People, <laughs> but I really have no idea why it's like that. When would you say have you spent most of of those eight years on on on, on the Balkans? Predominantly Bosnia, even specifically Sarajevo, but obviously other parts of Bosnia as well. And a little bit Serbia as well, but predominantly Bosnia. This is a difficult question to ask because the answer will inevitably offend somebody. What's your favorite place? Well, I have to I have to say Sarajevo. Well, I have to say in the sense of it's the like there's there's places that I probably maybe enjoy more in terms of uh, if I want to go out and have a good time and things like that. But like Sarajevo feels like home to me. So that's definitely my favorite place. Obviously something that, you know, people kind of hear, but you do have African parents and it shows. Is that an issue ever? Uh, I wouldn't say that it's a, it's an issue. It's always never been an issue at all. But there are some, since 2010 to now, there are some interesting changes in, in terms of perception. For example, when I first arrived, I would definitely say there was... I would I would argue that it was uh, close to a zero percent issue when it comes to racism. Like I always used to make a joke that people are too busy, like fighting with the ethnical groups within Bosnia and the Balkans to to really bother about anyone else. But the interesting thing, for lack of a better word, since a lot of the, like the Arab investment, there I've noticed a little bit of like tension building towards. I guess initially like Arab investors and things like that and then it's kind of a slippery slope because then it's, it's just become about oh foreigners coming or anybody who's a little bit different or dark skin or whatever but generally speaking like if we're, if I have been in a situation where somebody's said something that it could be deemed racist or is racist for example I've never like nine times out of ten I don't take the same offence to it that I would take in the UK for example because Nine times out of ten, I would say it's coming from a place of like cultural ignorance, opposed to "quote unquote" hate. One thing you haven't mentioned is that you're also a musician. Has your stay on on, on the Balkans has your life there in, inspired any songs? Actually, the song "Sarevo Grade Moi" after the Halid Besic song, which was um, actually produced, the instrumental actually produced from my fr- by my friend in Macedonia. So I sent him the original song I told him I wanted to do a hip hop version of it and like a week later he sent me the instrumental and like the rest is history like, I mean that's the, my most viewed uh, music video today this is the Balkan Adventures podcast I need a Balkan beauty yeah I need a Balkan beauty I need a Balkan beauty yeah I need a Balkan beauty yeah. I need a Balkan beauty yeah I need a Balkan I need a Balkan beauty. Yeah, I need a Balkan beauty.
juicy But back on girls had me sweating profusely It's so hot, they light my fire It's about the girl that I desire Always look fly in their attire That is something you need to admire About the girl can take you higher Believe what I say, I'm no liar The music to my ears when they're talking Always looking so fly when they're walking Love to play poker, but guess what? I'm all in when push comes to shove Bro, you'll be falling Need to get about and go No stalling When you hear booyah Who deeps calling? Rah. I need a Balkan beauty Yeah, I need a Balkan beauty I need a Balkan beauty Yeah, I need a Balkan beauty Rah. I need a Balkan beauty Yeah, I need a You also do, do do a lot of other videos on, on on YouTube that are not just music related, but but about your life in the Balkans. I mean, why why do you do that? I initially did it. The first video I remember the first video I ever done was basically one to kind of give a different perspective of the Balkans to people from outside the region. Because I remember when I first came, being a little bit, um, I won't say scared, but a little bit, uh, you know, just conscious of, of, of things that people have told me based on on, on a narrative that were presented in the UK of, you know, there was a war there, there's all these criminals there. And then when I arrived in the Balkans and I was like greeted with a lot of hospitality and I thought, okay, I need, I should do some videos showing the other side that people don't really talk about especially especially um, to be honest with you people of color like a lot of my, my black friends my Asian friends in the UK say to me like when I first went to the Balkans like isn't it racist over there and I was saying to them actually I faced more racial discrimination in, in, in the UK than I ever have in the Balkans I think the only um, the biggest difference if I had to compare it is that uh, in the UK you get that everyday what we call everyday racism this kind of slight-handed racism whereas in the Balkans it would be a very rare occasion for somebody to come and say something uh, racially abusive but then in those minute cases it would be like quite in your face and I think that's the difference to uh, if I had to compare them. But essentially, I started doing the videos to just give my perspective of the Balkans, which I feel uh, would open up more of a, a dialogue about the region and also encourage people to come and check out the region for themselves. Where can I find those videos? On uh, YouTube. Just search uh, Smooth Deep and my YouTube channel will come up. There is a video, also a music video, that we've been talking about like a while back uh, of a song that you wanted to produce at least Balkan Beauty yeah Balkan Beauty like actually I wrote the song a month after I released uh, maybe no not a month about three or four months about three or four months after I released Sarajevo Grade Moi so the song's pretty old now it's going on a couple of years but it was inspired by uh, a conversation I had with my flatmate in, in Sarajevo, my, 
the first time I was there, I, was, I remember we were walking through the main street and I was just looking at all these women, like, like there's so many beautiful women on the streets. And he was like, he grabbed me and he's like, Nick, stop bumping into people, what are you doing? And, and then he looked at me and he noticed that I was like watching the women walking past. He's like, stop looking at these women, just walk straight. So I, I was explaining to him that it was kind of a cultural shock to me because I, I said to him, basically, I haven't walked down a main street before and seen that amount of attractive women on the street. And he said that, how can this be possible? You're from London, there's more people in London. I'm like, okay, if we're talking about numbers, mathematically speaking, of course, then you could, there's going to be more attractive women by numbers in London. But if we're talking about percentage, I would strongly argue that the percentage of attractive women is a lot higher in, in the Balkans. So that's where the idea of the song came. And then it was a year later, after I released Sarajevo Rademai, when I actually put pen to paper and wrote the song. After initially recording the song, I felt like it was too uh, good of a song to just kind of just throw out on YouTube and iTunes or whatever. So I thought like, I actually want to do it like in a real proper official release, a bit of promotion and whatnot. So I initially started a crowdfund to produce the music video because the idea was to shoot in every capital city in the Balkans and then a few other like uh, tourist places like uh, on the Croatian coast and whatnot. So I thought, okay, I'm going to need a bit of money behind me to do this. So I did the crowdfund and I think um, the initial, I think probably the initial mistake I made with the crowdfund was not targeting it more to the despot community. Because obviously people don't earn a lot of money in, in, in the Balkans. So the idea of oh, giving somebody money to produce a, a record and a music video is a bit alien. And also the, f the idea of crowdfunding itself is pretty alien in the Balkans. A lot of people described it as not just my campaign, a couple of other crowdfund campaigns I saw within the Balkans at the time were being described as begging for money. <laughs> so I was like, okay, this crowdfund didn't work and I understand why it didn't work. But I thought, okay, I still don't want to just throw the song out there. And this uh, producer, DJ from in London who is, has a lot of uh, connections in the Croatian house scene, he, he came across me on YouTube. So we started speaking. He didn't actually know I made music at the time. He wanted me to basically um, be like a promoter for his events and stuff like that because of my personality and whatnot. And I said to him, you know, I actually make music as well. And he said, really? So then I played him the Balkan Beauty song. He's like, okay, we're going to do this. So we ended up um, making a connection with a, a record label in Dubrovnik. And it seemed like, okay, we were going to get a bit of money up front to do the music video. I thought, okay, this was great. And then I remember at the beginning of the talks, the, the owner of the label was like, I really like this song, but it could be a problem for my people. And I was confused, like, what do you mean it's a problem for your people? I'm this is a, a song celebrating the Balkans and the beauty of the Balkans and beautiful women from the Balkans. Why would it be a problem for your people? So then he reiterated, okay, let me say it again. It will be a problem. When I say it will be a problem for my people, I mean, it might be a problem for Croatians. So now I'm thinking, okay, why is it a problem for Croatians? And he said, well, the thing is, in the song, you mentioned Serbs. And I said, yeah, of course I mentioned Serbs. It's about Balkan beauty. So I mentioned every country within the Balkans. He's like, yeah, no, no, I understand what you're saying. But, you know, 
my people might take it as a bit of an issue. You know, we, we hashed it out in the end, but then I, had, I faced similar problems with some other people I tried to get involved in the project. Um, I had another guy in the UK who's uh, Bosnian-born, but he, he grew up in the UK, and he's a pretty good graphic designer, so I wanted him to design the front cover. I played a song to him, kind of similar response. He was like, yeah, no, I really like the song, but I, I don't feel I could get involved in it. And again, that was the same situation. Like, What's the problem? He was like, oh, I just don't, I think like, my family wouldn't be happy with me getting involved with the song that's related to Serbs. It's the same, and I was like, okay, I don't. So then that was one of the things that kind of dragged it down. People, you know, feeling certain ways about their, their views, their, their national, national identity and whatnot. In the end, we hashed out a, a, a loose agreement with this label in Dubrovnik, but then it dragged out as things happened, tend to happen in the Balkans, things were, it was moving really slowly. And then when the video ideas were being thrown at me, I wasn't particularly happy with the idea. It was like, more or less, there was a lot of compromises that I made simply because I knew I was going to get the funding for it. So, okay, maybe it's worth the compromise. So the first compromise was changing. We made a whole remix of the song. So it was no longer a hip-hop song. It was a house song. Same lyrics, same everything, but with a house, house in instrumental. I said, okay, fine, let's go along with that. And then the video concept idea came, and it was basically get a boat on the Croatian coast, bunch of women in bikinis jumping up and down on the boat. And I was like, no, that's not really the idea that I was going for. And I ended up deciding to just go separate ways, and that's it. So now I'm I'm still attempting to to push it out independently. Do you have any any ideas how you could get the funding? Like one of the ideas I did have. It's about it's about making the connection though. Was maybe to link up with a uh, a, a company like another tip. I guess kind of a typical way that I've seen um, artists do it in in particularly in hip hop in in, um, in Serbia, where I've seen them being sponsored by I don't know a beer company or whatever, and the beer company will pay for the video as long as you promote the product in the video. So if there was a product that I liked and I agreed with, I would I would be open. To doing it that way for sure since you've also mentioned the music scene uh, obviously I and mean, you do have close ties to to at least a hip-hop scene in, in ex-yugoslavia what's the most interesting thing about that scene like like from from a british perspective the like most interesting thing about the scene for example like if you take obvious examples like Ed Edomaika in, in bosnia or you somebody like uh, Struka in, in Serbia is that they, for me, really um, personify what hip-hop is because, you know, as a, as a, as a rapper in hip-hop, it's traditionally about telling your story. So no matter where you are, you tell your story, you tell your perspective of the world. And I think like artists like Edomaika and Stuka really, really do that because I, I, I listen to Edomaika, for example, and it's, it, it's so Bosnian. Like the, you can hear the Bosnian influences, the way that he enunciates himself, it's in the music, but he still really knows how, how to rap. And the thing that was really interesting is the scene in comparison to, like, of course, places like London, Toronto, and what, it's, it's a small scene. But the people within the scene are so 
passionate about it. It's, it's like maybe even doubly passionate about it than you, f- you might find in some bigger scenes. That is a scene that doesn't know any national borders by and large. Exactly, exactly. It's like um, you, you, you'll have artists collaborating with each other across national lines and and that's what hip-hop is about. So like as small as the scene is in, in, in the Balkans, it it's really, they've really personified, I think, the, what hip-hop is, is about. Actually, when I first went to Belgrade in 2009, it gave me a kind of feeling like how hip-hop was in the 90s, like when it was really becoming popular, popularized. Like, it kind of had that feeling, but that, with, that, with a little Serbian flavor. And then, why do you think that is? I think, well, obviously, because, well, one of the obvious reasons is that, um, you know, people always joke, oh, yeah, everything in, in the Balkans is like 10 years behind. But in, in, in a technical sense, like, the scene kicked off later. So the steps that were taken when hip-hop got popularized in, in, in Western Europe and the Western world in general, those kind of same steps were happening in, in the Balkans, but just at a later stage. Osjećam se dobro, koda sam smoto, zadovoljno sretno, stiglo je ljeto, užareni beton, lagano se šetam, danas je nedelja i ništa mi ne smeta. Moje čale zovu se Rejban, zbog njih me ne vide kako ih gledam Brate, ne bi joj naplatio ni Marku, pogledaj kako liže sladoled u parku I onu Starku ne bi šetala sama, kad bi samo znala kakva sam budala Gospodju dozvoli, ja ću te odvest u vrijeme kad si imala osamnest Ćao šta ima, šta se radi, excuse my French ali moj mali, stalno te mjerka, neprestalno šmeka Šta da mu kažem, gdje da te čeka? Ona nije spremna, tako mi rekla Zar ona ne zna da je ova rijeka nešto kao ribnjak U kojem plivam od jedne do druge, pa treću skidam Ne budi stidna, jer nisam nija I meni je prvi put, uzmi malo vina Evo je seksi back pjesma od Dustina Pojačat ću da bude malo glasnija The sun's shining, so I'm smiling No stress on my brain, success happens with timing So, yeah, we got it, it's a frame of mind that I'm in As long as I'm feeling it, I keep rhyming Sexy girls, on every corner Each one is like, ooh, under your bomb But steaming hot, yeah, just like a sauna Back in summer's a hot, I need to warn you But I can chill in the sun all day long Watching Balkan beauties with my shades on Rah! Yeah, that's what I'm saying, bruv. Balkan summers, something you gotta love. You'll be back time and time again. In winter, we just wait for the sun to shine again. I'm feeling good, just like I should. Shining like a star, but not from Hollywood. Nah, I'm just being me. Summertime with Boston got me feeling free. So next summer, why don't you come here and see? Beautiful weather, beautiful women. Are you feeling me? Maybe you gotta come. 
feel the vibe Maybe words can't explain what I feel inside Then someone told you someone ain't good over here, they lied I smile every time the sun starts to rise critics that that would say that you know hip-hop is you know not the cool thing anymore in in, in, in uh, western music at least you know because like all the stories have been told and and, and a lot of, of the musicians just got too wealthy to to tell you more good stories and then are you telling me hey come on listen to the balkans they you know tell great stories and they personify the the, the original idea do, do you think that would have anything to do with, with the, the economic and social circumstances that those people live under? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like, um, you, you look at a lot of the artists that were, were coming out, like, the that set the foundation of the scene. I mean, coming off the back of the of the conflict, the war, it was definitely fueled by their, their environment, absolutely. And um, you kind of see... Like when you look at the 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 older artists, the artists who've been around, like um, Struka in Serbia, you see that they really, like they they can be comparable in my eyes to guys like for example in in the UK, like uh, I would say somebody like Black Twang who were innovators of of the UK scene. Like I would say you can see that these guys are innovators of of their scene. But yeah, like you said, they're products of their environment. And that's essentially why they do personify this, um, what hip hop is is about. But saying that, uh, you see some of the younger guys coming out now, and I guess you, you can call it globalization, whatever you want to call it. You know, the, the internet has opened opened up the world to everyone. Uh, you, you, there is that um, the influence of the type of hip hop that you you're, that you were um, implying where it's no longer cool because hip-hop essentially is pop culture at this point it's so popular so you do have younger artists now just trying to emulate what they see in the states in in the commercial market and i think that is kind of a a, a shame because what ma- what made the the scene special when i arrived was this authentic flavor that they they put to it Coming back to to, to, to to like a you know general setting again, what is the thing that you most appreciate about the Balkans? Uh, what is the thing that I most appreciate about the Balkans? I think um, it's interesting actually because people tell me that uh, the hospitality and stuff isn't like it used to be. Like uh, now, I can I can imagine that it that it isn't. I can imagine uh, particularly if you talking about the. Um, former Yugoslavian region I can imagine there are reasons why hospitality isn't and people are not as warm as they used to be but f- coming from London like to me it's like people are very warm generally in, in comparison to com- coming from London so maybe that's my advantage as, as a foreigner maybe 
I, I suppose it could that could be a possibility. But like when I first came, there were people who you know didn't didn't know me from from anywhere, but they were like willing to help you in, in a difficult situation. There's still that kind of neighborly love. I still think even though that it might be to a lesser extent than what it used to be, I still feel like it definitely exists, this uh, community kind of spirit. And I think, it, and which actually uh, reminds me of African culture as well. So there are, that's actually one of the big things. There are many similarities in the Balkan that, to African culture. So in, even though like for obvious reasons I stand out like a sore thumb, in other reasons, I just fit in perfectly. In 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 what sense? Like for for example, like um, like so, some of the things, uh, some are negative, some are positive. But for example, um, the way people express themselves is in, in the Balkans is, I would say, identical to how people express themselves in in, um, in African culture, Caribbean culture. Where people are very loud, and. For example, growing up in Britain, when we come across people outside of African Caribbean culture, and they would see me and my friends whatever talking, or sometimes see my parents and my family whatever talking, people would ask me like, "Why, why, why are you guys always arguing and, and shouting?" No, 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 they're not arguing and shouting. That's just the way that they talk. And then coming to the Balkans, this is a kind of similar thing. People are very loud, very expressive. So I was like, okay, this isn't just an African thing. This is over here in the Balkans as well. And then there's some funny things like um, what we would call um, African timing or black people timing in the UK of people being late all the time. But it's the same thing in the Balkans. Somebody said, hey, let's meet up at 5.30. They're probably going to arrive at 6. And then if, if they're 6 and they're still not there, you ring them up. Like, where, where are you? Yeah, I'm going to be there in five minutes. That's probably like another 15 minutes. And that's exactly the same kind of thing you'll find in like African, African and Caribbean cultures. Right? Is there a thing that you still have a hard time figuring it out or, or getting along with? Uh, is there anything that... Uh, well, I feel like sometimes the, the dating scene in the Balkans, particularly in smaller towns, can be like so complicated. Like there's all these... I mean, all right, you get game playing everywhere, but there's... All these little hoops you gotta you gotta jump through. Like one of the um, examples that's like clear in my mind is when I was renting an apartment in, in Rogersha in what was this 2012, I believe, and there was this girl that I always used to see on the bus. Like we would get on the bus around the same time, and we'd get like we'd kind of do the body language flirting thing, that flirting with the eyes and whatever. But we never spoke. And this went on for like maybe four or five weeks. So then I said to myself, okay, this is like, we're not in school. The next time I see her, I'm going to go and speak to her. So I get on the bus one day. There she is. She's on the bus. Same thing, doing the same kind of interactions. We get off the bus. We're walking in the same direction. So I introduce myself and speaking to her. Everything seemed to have, be having a lovely conversation. So then I, I go what seemed to me to be the obvious conclusion to the conversation was maybe to exchange numbers and, and go for a drink sometime. So like I say, hey, let's exchange numbers. And then suddenly it was no. Like she's just, no. And then she's gone flying down the road. And I was just, I remember just standing on the street 
baffled, like, what just happened here? And I, I told a couple of my friends about it, and they were like, oh, you know, you can't just speak to people on the street like that. And I, I, I was like, why not? Like, uh, she's attractive, we seem to have a connection, why can't, no, you just, you can't do that. And coming, I, I do understand it in the sense of smaller towns, everybody knows everybody, people are kind of worried about what other people think, all this kind of thing. But at the same time, coming from London, where that's just a normality. Like, you see somebody, oh. In fact, even, the fact between me and this girl is that we were seeing each other, even though we weren't speaking, we were seeing each other. Like, so, to me, that made it seem even more of a normal thing to do. But, it, for example, in London, you might just be on a train. Um, you see somebody and you think, okay, boom, I'm going to go and speak to them. But I guess from the London state of mind, it's because there's so many people, you might never see this person again, so you kind of take your opportunity. So from that perspective, I do understand why that kind of social interaction is, is very different. Did you ever see her again? Yeah, it was pretty awkward. <laughs> it was pretty awkward. Like, I remember us, the, the very, it was like a couple of days later I saw her again. And... I don't think she, she like, because I was, like, standing at a certain angle, I don't think she recognized me at first. I turned around, so she was smiling, and then, then she kind of, like, recognized me and just was, it just was awkward. It was like, okay. Yeah, from, that, from then it was just kind of awkward. What are your next plans? So I'll be in London for a couple of weeks, probably to the end of the month, and then Skopje for a month. Because actually left some stuff at my friend's house in Skopje so I swore kill two birds with one stone and then um, in Montenegro for three months and then back to Sydney. So there you have it that's Nick otherwise known as Smooth Deep a London musician now based most of the year here in Sarajevo Bosnia and Herzegovina hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast please do subscribe share and like tell your friends leave us a review wherever you listen to this whether it's on Acast Stitcher Podbean iTunes or wherever so until the next episode of this podcast please stay safe to find out more about us and where we live why not check out our blog at an Englishman in the Balkans.com. See you next time. And that's a wrap for this podcast. We hope you've enjoyed finding out a little more about both Bosnia and Herzegovina and the wider Western Balkans. If you've enjoyed this journey as much as we enjoy bringing it to you, please take a moment to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast. Your feedback helps us tremendously and makes a huge difference. Thank you once again for joining us. And we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you would like to support us and the production of future episodes, then please consider maybe giving us a tip or becoming a member of our podcast family. The link to do that is in the show notes for this podcast. Thanks again for listening. We really do appreciate it.